This is the Art of Darkness podcast with Kevin Kautzman and Brad Kelly. We're a couple of very online writers interested in the dark side of what drives creative people to create against all odds. This show is about art and the people who make it, what it costs them, and what it takes to bring something unique and impactful into the world. Each episode, we excavate the life and work of an artist you might think you know. Don't worry, they're all safely dead. On every episode, we try and find out just what the hell was wrong with them and how they worked through their darkness to create something that lives on after them and continues to move culture. Find us online at artofdarkpod.com and on Twitter at artofdarkpod. All right, we've got some sponsors for the pod now. Wait, what? Every link you need for the things we talk about here is at artofdarkpod.com slash sponsors. First up, books. If you're into this podcast, Odds are you're probably a reader. We've got links to buy new books from bookshop.org and used books from alibris.com. And if you want to listen to your books, we recommend and use audible.com. It's great and the catalog is huge. All right. So if you're listening to this, you are online. Maybe you're very online. You probably have a website or are thinking of starting one. Maybe you want a website like artofdarkpod.com. We built that with WordPress, which is by far the most popular way to create websites. And the single best host for serious WordPress is WP Engine. I've personally used them for over a decade now, and I don't host my websites anywhere else. Go to artofdarkpod.com slash sponsors and click on the WP Engine link to learn more. Finally, the best way to support the show is at patreon.com slash artofdarkpod. Get the bonus After Dark content for every episode, access to the book club, and more. Thanks for supporting Art of Darkness. And I, I don't think that was too painful. I think no, we did a pretty good job good. there. Yeah. Yeah, that sounded good. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate it. We are back in the dark room for our 100th episode. Of Art of Darkness. We're here. We made it. Woo! 100. 100. Can you believe it, Brad? It's I, it's it's not, a podcast Not, not really. It's... <laughs> it, it really, it I, really I, feels I, that I, way. Mm-hmm. I'm at a little bit of a loss for words. I think 100 episodes, but it's probably two to 300 hours of content out there mm. in the world. Mm. You could just listen to Art of Darkness for like almost like a month and a half at work. All, and all Incredible. you did for your eight hours a day was listen to Art of Darkness. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That, that's, that's pretty exciting. That's a fantastic idea, Brad. I think that'll... Yeah, I agree. What could po- what damage could that possibly do to one's soul? If you, if you, ever, <laughs> if you ever do this... Report back to us. Mm-hmm. You can you you know where to find us. We're on Twitter at Art of Dark Pod. We have to introduce our guest. We are here with Isaac Simpson, the dis- uh, disgraced propagandist himself, host of the Carousel Podcast, a man of many talents. Uh, yeah, Isaac, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, here to talk yeah. about my favorite favorite writer of all time by by a very large measure so i'm i'm super psyched that i was chosen for this episode and it's really yeah i i think you guys have come to the right place because i'm very passionate about bukowski so i'm excited okay we're glad to have you so thank yeah, you for, we're very, for joining us tonight. Did, thank was you for i not supposed time. to I think this is gonna be the, great 
No, you, no, 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 no. Yeah, we want to we want to cut to the chase, and so that's that's brilliant. Uh, I'm glad. And you and you came to us last year and mentioned Bukowski, and we said, "Yo, we haven't done him yet, but when we Mm -hmm. do, we will have you on." And here you are, and it just so happens you're on the 100th episode of Art of Darkness. So very cool. Um, Let's just do a little bit of housekeeping, real quick. Patreon. These 100 episodes have taken work. We want to do 100 more. Patreon.com slash Art of Dark Pod. You get all the After Dark episodes. You get a bunch of other stuff, access to the book club. It means a lot to us, not just the support, but the ongoing support. Five bucks a month, Mm -hmm. 10 bucks a month. Chuck it at us. Set it and forget it. You know we're going to be here. You know we're going to keep coming back. I'm going to Northern Michigan to meet Brad, meet up with Brad at the end of this month, and we are going to have mm-hmm. a five for the perp- for the IRS agent who is listening. This is a five day working trip. Uh, everything will be written off. Uh, but jokes aside, that would be expensing cigars and steak and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, Yeah. Yep. yep, We're doing it up. So, but Brad and I are going to have a a serious production meeting where we're going to start planning the next season. So 2024 of Art of Darkness. Uh, We we really appreciate the support. You can also support us through PayPal. Um, a friend of the show recently said, I I, Patreon, not so much my thing, but these guys have done a couple of episodes that meant a lot to me. I'm going to chuck them. X amount of dollars on PayPal. And that's at the website. We welcome that too. So Patreon's not your thing. If you're like trying to, to delete every single app, which is totally reasonable in this in this economy and then in this environment, PayPal. Do that. Artofdarkpod.com. Last bit of housekeeping on the after dark today for Patreon. We are going to read one of Bukowski's darkest poems. And Isaac is going to read us mm-hmm. a few of his favorite poems by charles yeah. bukowski poems. let's get into it poems, poems. yeah poems. that's an old thing that's an old uh, inside <laughs> joke for brad and brad and i uh for brad and me from grad school we just because we're you know shifty cradle catholic public school kids from the right. midwest and we noticed mm-hmm. that a lot of the poets would say poems and uh it got, if, you it can, cost- if you can get an extra syllable in there you actually get extra credit in grad school if you were able to you squeeze an extra poet. syllable yeah. in there uh, uh, yeah. 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 it, it <laughs> cost us it cost us a little bit of distress if i recall brad we didn't quite know what was what was going on uh and so we we're trying to perpetuate the the correct pronunciation in any case uh um uh isaac you you're passionate about bukowski why when did you come to his work what does he mean to you let's also dispel some myths i think people have some some ideas i think in our core episode we we hopefully did a pretty good job trying to paint a a full picture of the man but talk to us well first of all i haven't been drinking uh for a few a few days because i had a, a long streak of travel and i was like well i can't drink today but it's Bukowski, so we're gonna have to pour. Oh, nice! Have to pour a nice, a nice uh, tall whiskey. Although I think he was a beer guy, nice. really. In the mm. end of his, uh, yeah, yeah he talked about There's, the he talked about the beer shits a lot. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's a there's a bar uh, in downtown LA. Um, near where you know not too far from where i used to live that has in big letters on the wall uh 
stick with beer and you'll be okay. And it's a Charles Bukowski quote. Mm. I forget exactly what the quote is, but it's like, beer is your friend. Just sip it all the mm. time you'll, and mm. you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, Buka- uh, you know, Bukowski, like for me, I, I was always into literature. You know, I, um, I was reading, you know, from a pretty early age. I was very into the beats. You know, I had my uh my my Kerouac phase and I went on a whole road trip inspired by him and you know I'd I'd really I was into Dostoevsky I had all the guys and I had moved to LA and I was so down and out you know because I had gone to law school I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt I can't get a legal job I'm like writing for vice and la weekly for 50 dollars an article literally it started at 20 so i'm just like totally at the bottom and i you know i'd always heard bukowski i was like "Eh, whatever who's bukowski like who's this bukowski guy i don't really care and then i stumbled across the first book i ever cracked oh i had tried to read ham on rye once before and i was like what is this i don't i don't care about this so intense and then I found a book called Run with the Hunted and Run with the Hunted does this thing. I don't know if you guys, I listened to like half of the, of the, um, cause it's four hours long. So the core is, episode. your episode is four hours long. <laughs> yes. so I couldn't listen to yeah. the entire thing, but, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you talk about Run with the Hunted, but Run with the Hunted is his editor after he was dead, went and put it all his work together, all the best poems and the best articles together in like a chronological, almost autobiography. Did you talk about this? No, I don't think we oh, did. We, didn't talk yeah, about we, that. we did, we think, did no. talk about how posthumously some of his work has been fiddled with, but yes, we did not. That, which yeah. is another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that's a different thing. So this was just his editor compiled it into this one book called Run with the Hunted. That's just like a linear story of his life from the his first memory until, you know, his his death. And for some reason, that was like the key for me to get it. And I just got it. And mm. I utterly mm. fell in love with Bukowski to a degree that I had never had with, you know, any figure ever besides maybe Michael Jordan, uh, having grown up in Chicago. And it was just like, holy shit, like this is so freeing, you know, and it, for me in this really down and out place and, you know, I'm somebody who like had always been kind of like on the outside of these elite worlds, you know, like I was always this kind of dumpy kid who like was never really accepted. And so reading him in this time in my life, I'm living in LA, you know, I'm living like close to where he was the entire time. Mm. And it was just like his writing allowed me to kind of like, let everything go, you know, like I let all those worries go and just be happy to enjoy my life. You know I mean? And, and I think that that's what a really great writer does. It lets you just completely experience life in a different way. And that's what Bukowski was for me. He was the guy who allowed me to like, just let go of so many of the mm. expectations I had for myself and, you know, Oh, I need to be, do this at this time. And I need to, you know, get this check mark at this time. And it was just like, 
I saw his life and I saw what he accomplished and what he stood for. And it was like, oh, you don't need to do any of that shit. You don't need to do anything. You know, <laughs> you, you really don't have to do right. anything at all. You know, like you could just yeah, follow true. your art, stand for, you know, be a man, stand for what you believe in. You know, that's what fucking matters. And it wasn't until I found him that I truly uh, could experience that. And then beyond that, just as a technical writer, he's also the greatest, in, in my opinion. And I, I can explain why I think that. I know that that's not a popular, super popular perspective, but I do think he's the greatest writer ever, even technically. But mm. uh, yeah, we can talk more about that, I guess. He is I, I definitely the, want to hear more about that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. for sure. He is sort of the king of the dropouts. And mm -hmm. carrying around one of his books of poetry or one of the novels, it does have the uncanny feeling of like a manual for an alternative lifestyle. Uh, Atlas shrugged. Just you don't have to do it. You don't have right. to go to the yeah. good school. You don't have to chase mm -hmm. the perfect career. Uh, there, there's an alternative path. And yeah, it's going to be painful. It's going to be it's going to be hell. It, but it but it but it might be more romantic of a path it might be more interesting of a path and some in a lot of respects right yeah mm -hmm. that, that's very interesting and, and i like i like this notion that uh, of so I, sh I should have done a little reading on this because i was actually thinking about this today there was a, a um a buddhist teacher who came to america it would have been like in the 60s or 70s who was a notorious drunk it, he like had a huge influence on it. who the heck was this guy? Uh, Trunk, I, I think tr uh, Trogan Trumpa. Okay. Um, All right. That sounds right. Anyway, was it the one who was also like. Oh, did we lose you? Yeah, he'll come back. Look yeah. it up. Look it up, Brad. Yeah. yeah that, so I'll finish the story. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I want you to finish the story. Uh, yeah, so, so, so he. I, no, so the, the whole point of it is like he was able to sort of bring some level of enlightenment to people, but he was also shithoused most Just of the wasted time. wasted the entire time. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and and not necessarily that that's everybody's sort of path to enlightenment, but I think there is a sort of a like it, it does if a person can hang on to that in a certain way, it does just chill everybody out. It's like, oh, we're just gonna we're gonna be kind of relaxed the edges around things are okay everything we don't have to fit into we don't have to you know conform in a particular way we can kind of we can just kind of roll with this thing well and, and um, that's interesting yeah. too there's so much power in that because it's one of the central tensions of american life is uh, simultaneously we're a deeply deeply uh conformist culture that simultaneously reinforces individualism so it, you, it, it's totally dissonant. It doesn't make sense. But ideologically, I don't think that statement I made is that extreme. Uh, yeah, it's a very odd place to be. So Bukowski taps into that. And then to to a young person reading it, it cannot, It feels almost like a, it's like a cry in the dark. Oh my gosh, here's somebody who's, who's said the things that I'm feeling and that maybe I, I know but can't articulate. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's what a great writer does. Yeah. I also technically too want to mention, you know, I'm principally a, a playwright, Isaac. Uh, he he altered the way I wrote some of my early plays, which led to certain things for me. Uh we Brad and I wouldn't be here together because we met in grad school and all the rest. I mean, just the way that he that uses the page with his poetry, it's just so free and um unpretentious. I think I think young writers can benefit from that. Yeah, the page is yours. 
do with it what what you will. Yeah. Do you want to speak a little more about the technical piece? Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's got a great. I just shared with you before this started. He has a great clip from uh, the movie about his life. There's a fantastic documentary about his life. I'm sure you guys you did cover this in in your last one, but um, and there's a clip about it where he's talking about great writing. And Bukowski, if you read his letters and you read his um, even some of his poems, even some of the stories, he you know how Eminem has that line, uh, you know, Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac and Biggie, Andre from Outcast, Jada Corrupt, Nas and then me, you know, from uh, do you know what I'm saying? It's from um, uh, I know. I don't know the song, but I know that yes, before yes. <laughs> like, until I collapse until I collapse. He's listing yeah. these like great mm-hmm. rappers that are the only other people that he views that are in his class of rapping. Bukowski is exactly like that. He has this list that he just keeps coming back to over and over. He's like, these are my guys. These are my guys. These are my guys. And anybody outside of that list, he's like, fuck you. Like you suck. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, Hemingway, it's, Hemingway it's, did the same thing. Yeah. Famously. Well, and yeah. Yeah. So the funny thing is Hemingway and Bukowski to me are the perfect two examples of the, the opposite sides of almost the same thing or the not even the same coin, like the polar opposites of each other, which is like, to me, Hemingway, this is very extreme. So excuse me, but <laughs> that's all right. to me, oh, Hemingway is a poser. I know that that's, you know, I'm, I'm obviously being hyperbolic. <laughs> Hemingway's great. He, he massive contributions. I'm not, I'm not crapping on Hemingway. I mean, I am, but, uh, but Bukowski to me is like doing what Hemingway is doing, but he's like doing the real version of it, you know? Mm. And, and, um, yeah, Hemingway's solidarity with the working man. Yeah. Right. The dude is completely... married money twice <laughs> and had nothing but money and still couldn't hold it together. Right. Yeah, he was definitely a champagne socialist for sure. Now he laid it on the line. You know, he went to he was in the Spanish Civil War. So it's, you know, it's it's complicated. But Absolutely. Bukowski really was half starving to death, drinking rot gut wine, writing the poetry. Uh, for 50 and, years. I mean, right, for, for 50 until years. It, yeah, yeah, until he yeah. finally broke. And then he was yeah. honest about his break, too. When he finally broke, he was he turned it into something that was humorous and self-reflective. Uh, Hemingway's politics are all a little bit Hollywood in a funny way. Yeah. 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 The myth, the so, myth consumed Hemingway. I, I don't. Anyway, go on. Go on, Isaac. Who, no, who totally. is who is Bukowski's list? If you okay, I, I don't expect you to know it exactly, but who's no, on I there? do know it. I, I know okay. it. So he, the list is basically only five people long. It starts with Newton Hamsen. So Newt Hamsen, hunger. That's the and to me, like yeah. in the history of literature, that's really where modernism begins, is with Newt Hamsen. And and I think Hamsen and Bukowski are right there with each other. Like they're almost the same. Then there's John Especially in hunger. Yeah. Yeah. What? Sorry, what? I said especially in hunger. Yeah. Especially in hunger. Yeah. I actually that, haven't even what is read that other... but yeah, yeah, the other one is anyway. Go on. John Fonte. Then there's Fonte. And of course, Fonte, you know, it's a the only thing that makes me like Bukowski less is reading Fonte because Bukowski just rips off Fonte, you know, horribly. <laughs> like he completely steals everything from Fonte. And, you know, Fonte is incredible. And then Celine, the other guy is Celine. Mm. So it's that lineage from Hamzen, Fonte, Celine. And then he has these two other guys. One is Robinson Jeffers, who mm. I tried to read. I don't even really know. I mean, like, I could never really get into him. And this other really obscure guy, Ger- Gerald Lachlan. 
And he talks about these guys all the time, like constantly. And then there's actually two Asian people, Du Fu and Lee Fai, that he talks about. But anyway, he's Mm -hmm. got this really narrow list of people. And if you go back, you read Celine, you read Fonte, you read Hamzen, it's the same thing. It's like ultra simple truth telling. And and what what they are clearly and crisply explaining the world in this way where there is no apology, there is no um, attempting to look a certain way. I mean, that's the first thing when you see Fonte is he'll admit himself doing something that's completely inappropriate and makes him look terrible. <laughs> and you're just like, he just says it. He's like, yeah, yeah. and like, there's no like, he doesn't try and make it look good. He doesn't try and like, you know, somehow explain it. He's just like, yeah. And then I did this horrible thing. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. And like, right. he's just accurately describing his life. And and Hamzen's the same way. And so I think um, <laughs> Bukowski, I mean, sorry, like Hemingway in a way is like kind of doing that, but also like not really doing it. Um, and so that's what I love so much about him. And I think like in today's world, there's two guys I know who do that uh, really one delicious tacos. He also does that. He describes the world in such a way that is like just without trying to apologize for it. And then, you know, BAP does that a little bit in, in some of his better stuff. But anyway, I, my, my larger point is just like, I think that Bukowski comes with this lineage and this lineage is people who, um, there is no, they're like, uh, the filmmaker Gaspar Noé, right. Or, or there, there's this class of artists that is genuinely transgressive and genuinely not trying to create art to, you know, like, like make to get, to get tenure or win an award yeah, to aggrandize themselves. <laughs> They're not yeah. doing it to right. like get ahead, you know, like they're doing it because they genuinely want to just create something different and special. And, um, mm. you know, I just think that he belongs to this this rare lineage of people who who have done it truly for the right reasons and and who gave it all up uh for this dream, you know, and, and, and just kind of, um, they were there to create, you know, they were there to create stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, that's what he did. And I think, um, in terms of the style, what's, what is, what's the actual contents of it? So I've read a bunch of early Bukowski. This is what a guy said on your last show. And I completely disagree. He said that his style never changed. Uh, or he said mm-hmm. something like that. He said like, um, Jason Gallagher, you're on notice. You're on notice, <laughs> Jason. And, and, yeah. and we have to pause yeah. and say thank you, Jason, for uh, helping yeah. us with the core episode. And yeah, he's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's, yeah, a he's a great a, poet he, himself. Yeah. But the Go one ahead, thing I'll disagree with, and I'll then I'll shut up is is <laughs> um, is is uh, you read early Bukowski. He is trying to be more flowery. He's he's trying to he's using a million words and he's like, like painting a scene. And then you read his stuff later on and it's just like he boils it down to the absolute purest, you know, uh, like the absolute Mm -hmm. purest line you can possibly have. Like here, I'll just give you a really quick example. This is from Factotum, one of the great chapters ever. It's him uh, 
I hope you don't mind. Do you, do you care if I read this really quick? No, that's what no, we're here we, for. This is uh, uh, we are in the we are uh, in the arts books category in <laughs> <That's> uh, <right. laughs> Apple Podcasts. You might yeah. find us there. Yeah, yeah. shout out mm-hmm. to Cyprus, our favorite country. We love when we hit the charts <laughs> they, in Cyprus. <laughs> they love they yeah. love us in Cyprus. Cyprus. They do. We we're big in Cyprus. We're big in Cyprus. Yeah, go ahead. That's uh, true. Okay, Isaac. so this is from Factotum. It's it's him taking a road trip to Miami. This is the first paragraph. Miami was as far as I could go without leaving the country. I took Henry Wither, w- Miller with me and I tried to read him all the way across. He was good and he was good when he was good and vice versa. I had a pint, then I had another pint and another. The trip took four days and five nights. Outside of a leg and thigh rubbing episode with a long, young brunette girl whose parents would no longer support her in college, no, nothing much happened. She got off in the middle of the night in a particularly barren and cold part of the country and vanished. I had always had insomnia, and the only time I could sleep on a bus was when I was totally drunk. I didn't dare dare try that. When we arrived, I hadn't slept or shit for five days, and I could barely walk. It was early evening. It felt good to be in the streets again. That's how he sets up Mm. that chapter. There is not one extraneous word in that paragraph. Mm -hmm. He's, He's taken out every single bit of description. You know, he's he's bled it utterly dry. Mm-hmm. To he doesn't describe the girl. He doesn't call her br- no. beautiful. He says young. You know, like he does young not brunette. He, yeah, and brunette, right? Yeah. He gives us the absolute minimum. Yet that's such a full scene. You know, like that's such a and it's simple, it's funny. And to write that mm-hmm. way, I've found is way fucking harder than like writing out a whole, you know, bunch of descriptions and whatever comes to your mind. Like that takes a lot of slashing down, you know, to, to get to that point. And I think that's really what modernist writing is. And, and, and Bukowski represents like the Nietzsche of modernist writing. He's the, the final culmination uh, of that entire movement. And it's like, that's, the end of the modernist road, like you couldn't dry it out more than Bukowski has dried it out. You hear, heard it here first on the 100th episode of, of Art of Darkness. Bukowski is the <laughs> ubermensch of modern letters per <laughs> Isaac Simpson. I do want to make over. A, it's over. It's over. We can, oh, my, we, yeah. it now. we can stop now because nobody has any fucking idea what postmodernism is. Right, uh, we, right. we can just leave. We can just relax now. Um, <laughs> Uh, so fun. So uh, I did want to say somebody pointed out that I think on the core episode, we said Ham on Rye was published in 89. In fact, it was published in 82. The order of his novels were 71 Post Office, 75 Factotum, from which Isaac just read. And there's a there's a fine film adaptation of Factotum that is actually set in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. And there's a very funny uh, jump cut that happens where he's clearly in downtown Minneapolis and he somebody he's chasing this his girl uh, and somebody says, oh, she's working at a downtown hotel and it jump cuts to downtown St. Paul. And I was deeply offended by by this cinematic liberty. Unacceptable. These are kidding, but it's a good it's a good film adaptation if you want to watch. Um, so we've got 71 post office, 75 factotum, 78 women, 82 was Sam on Rye, 89 Hollywood, and then 94 pulp. And those are uh those are his novels. Sticking mm-hmm. with the the style business, this is a, a poem <laughs> called 
Duck and Forget It from the Last Night of the Earth poems, which were his last poems. I'm going to read this. You mind, you mind, Isaac? I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder. No, 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 Very no. good. It's called Duck and Forget It. Today at the track, I was standing alone looking down when I saw these two shoes moving directly toward me. At once, I started into motion toward my right, but he still caught part of me. Making any money today? Yeah, I answered and was gone. Not too many years ago, I would have stood there while this slipped soul unloaded his inanities on me, pissing over my day and my feelings as he made me pay for where he allowed himself to be in his mind and in his life. No longer. Yet, I am my brother's keeper. I keep him away. (laughs) (laughs) Duck and forget it. I just not, I just don't have time for this guy. And everybody, you've, you've been that other guy. You've been Bukowski. There's, there's yeah. room in the world. Yeah. And that's a poem. Yeah. yeah. Fun. It's little moments. Yeah. And that, that exhibits that. The, the thing. Yeah. The thing I ultimately, I think appreciate the most about Bukowski in the end is the particular kind of humor that comes across in a piece like that. The sort of, curmudgeonly i guess like acerbic like i mean i you know i feel like that a lot of the time but don't act that way you know what i mean because you kind of can't you know or you can but yeah we we made it to 100 episodes brad (laughs) you guys can do whatever you want yeah yeah, i'm gonna let it all hang out yeah all these sons of bitches know what i really think no uh yeah i think i think if brad but that's the kind that's that ends up being like my Oh, uh, lost you there for a second. You're, oh, you're, you're on mute, you're Kevin. On... Oh, somebody was on mute. You're Kevin. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, go oh, ahead, Brad. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. I think we had a little a little glitch there. Anyway, that that's one of the things that really resonates with me, and it's not just like a, a, a the simple statement of it's funny. There is a certain kind of um, it's like a there, and there is like a tenderness too, sort of at the end of that. I am my brother's keeper. I keep them away. There's something hilarious about that. There's a recognition of like that, um, you know, he does have some kind of like emotional presence in the world. Like it's it's all I, I that's my favorite part is is really how funny it is. And I, I think there's a there's a quality to different places Bukowski he can take that. Acknowledging like he's probably no good for this guy either. Uh, it's a case of like right. That's yes, yes. Yeah, you know the he- hedgehog's dilemma, Schopenhauer. The idea that you never, yeah, the idea that it's about human in, in, intimacy. So human intimacy, the metaphor mm-hmm. is we're like a bunch of porcupines in the mid, the depths of winter, trying to get warm together. But if we get too close, we prick each other with our needle, with our little needles. Right. So it's a constant negotiation in human affairs for this massive group of porcupines to find the right calculus to get as close as we possibly can to get warm without jabbing each other's eyes out with our. Oh. That's yeah, fantastic. It's a, that's amazing. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's a, a great uh yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That influenced, and I think uh, and I think with Freud and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freud. Yeah. I, I think with Bukowski, we see an instance of somebody who has particularly sharp, long quills and is perhaps in this analogy, particularly sensitive to the cold at the same time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Isaac, do you have a, a favorite uh Bukowski? You have a favorite book or novel? Yeah. No, it's a poem. It's uh, one for the shoe shine man. 
Okay, and we're going to read that on the After Dark, patreon.com slash artofdarkpod. When I get really Ooh. hungover and I'm just like absolute bottom, just absolute cannot go on. I He has a recording of him reading it, and mm. I just drive around and I listen to it on repeat. And it, mm. it gets me. It gets, yeah. it gets me through. <laughs> I I'm I'm a bit of a cliche. I just I think Bluebird is so good. Oh I yeah, just, and Bluebird, of course. I mean, Bluebird yeah. is fantastic. Also, Bluebird is the fa- last poem in uh, Run with the Hunted because they know yeah. that you know it's like clearly the crescendo. Yeah, it's just such a banger and so yeah. uh, gentle and wonderful. I have a letter that he wrote uh, in 1962, and. Uh, Isaac, you're a you're a denizen of L.A. Are you an L.A. lifer? No, no. I mean after Chicago, no. Uh, you, but, what do you mean? Am I going to stay here? Do, yeah, right. Are you going to stay here? Uh, there. I don't know, man. I don't know. Depends <laughs> on how bad it gets. Depends on how bad it gets around <laughs> here. He also uh, he also did that thing that great artists do. Not all, but most or many. Uh, stamping a place. A yeah. place as big as L.A. Like this is Bukowski territory. And this this letter that he wrote to John William Corrington in December actually looks like maybe Christmas Eve or and around I think Christmas. They were his like in his book of letters. There's a bunch to them. They're his like editor. There's some kind of mm. friends or editors. I, I forget like who they are, but they in the book of mm-hmm. letters that is available, which is called Screams from the Balcony, uh, which is fantastic. Also, mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch to those that couple. Yeah, and I just have uh, Charles Bukowski Selected Letters, Volume oh, nice. 1. Okay. Yeah, they have multiple volumes, apparently. Uh, and this is to a fellow named John William Corrington. I'm going to read a little bit from his Wikipedia so we have some context. A Roman Catholic, the one true faith. Corrington attended St. John's High School, but was expelled after smoking cigarettes. Anyway, he was a so he had a literary career. He was an American film and television writer, novelist, poet, and lawyer. So there you go, probably a friend of Bukowski's. Here's what Bukowski wrote him in 1962. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, it's this fellow, John William Corrington. Don't keep urging me to leave the City of Angels, this beautiful fucking place where saints jack off in the sky. I am beholden. Look, kid, I don't got no trade, savvy? Here, maybe there are a couple of racetracks I got the smell of, and I know where the rescue missions are located. And it only gets cold at night. And there are a couple of places where maybe they will let me sleep on the floor or drop me a dollar from a hard shell hand. I traveled until I was almost cuckoo. From 19 to 28, I saw it. Sometimes I weighed 200 pounds, other times 128. I saw that there was nothing. I saw the South like a gourd of light with dry slab faces and poverty, history running like shit from the walls and everybody burning to poke you down. You, Willie, are a good kind of South, but there's another kind of South too, and you know it. But no better or worse than New York or Chai or Philly. But to go running off through the same scene would be like taking a dose of salts after a good bowel movement. Here in LA, they leave you alone. You lay dead in a room for five or six days, and it's not until you begin to stink or fail to pay your rent that they come in and drag you out. This has advantages if you are not heavy in love with the roving tribes. Here, I've just got phantoms and a dirty floor for my own feet. Peace, cousin. (laughs) <laughs> peace peace cousin <laughs> yeah I mean, there's more there that's a hell of a letter you get that letter in the mail you're probably saving that sucker yeah, yeah. indeed good one very fun 
Yeah, we should. Uh, we need to return to, uh, I mean, we do podcasts and stuff and we tweet, but it, boy, wouldn't it be fun to return to old timey, old form letters that could later be collected? Wouldn't it? I don't, I don't know it if that's be. ever going to, going to come back. We might be the generation that kills that. That brings I don't know. Back. You know, I had a period I bought a, in my Bukowski uh, phase, I, which, you know, I bought a typewriter and I sent people letters for a little bit of time. Nice. Yeah. Nice. People like nice. it. They like receiving a letter. It's, yeah. 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 Now, yeah. How long can you go before you start breaking the other person's attention span? I suppose that depends on how engrossing the letter is. But yeah. Right. yeah, there's like there's the letter writing and then the letter reading. Like, I feel like a lot of people would get like if there's two pages, it's like, what the hell did you just send me? Yeah, I'm not going to read all this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to read all this crap. I'm sad that happened or I'm happy for you, but I'm yeah. not reading all that. I, don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't reading all that. <laughs> or Use your I'm archivists. Yeah, yeah, archivists yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry that happened. Or that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, hmm. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Isaac, we'll talk, um, we're gonna I, talk a lot more about Bukowski. I just want to uh, ask you to tell people a little bit about yourself, what you've got going on, your different projects, your podcast, your Substack. You're you're a writer of of some uh, renown yourself. What do you got going on? Yeah, so um, I, um, you know, my aforementioned uh, Bukowski phase occurred when I was really serious about trying to be, I've always been a creative nonfiction guy, which is why Bukowski is also the best of that for me. I'm I'm not really a fiction dude. Like again, Kerouac, you know, I, I come from that tradition of uh, people who write about life, you know, they write about real life. And um, so I was a writer for Vice. I was very serious about uh, trying to be that type of a writer but then, you know, you run into the buzzsaw of uh, reality. And so I eventually, you know, and this was after law school, by the way. So, again, like I was this was already a difficult situation, but I got into advertising. Um, and today, fast forwarding to today, I have recently um, basically stopped hiding you know, because in today's world, you have to really, particularly as a man, white man, you have to hide your opinions <laughs> if you want to have a job and you don't work for yourself. And so uh, particularly in the world of L.A. advertising, probably not the same in some industries, mm -hmm. but at least in that industry. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I uh, about a year ago, I decided to just say, fuck it. I'm back on me again. And so I now do two things. I write. Uh, the Carousel, which is a, a blog that has had actually incredible success. Um, and then I have a podcast, which has much more mediocre success uh, because I'm not as good at it, but I'm not as good as you guys, for example. But, um, you know, I just interview people. It's very just basic. And then mm -hmm. um, so that's both called The Carousel and that's on Substack. And um, I tweet at Disgraced Propagandist, spend way too much time doing that. And uh, all do. I run. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What? I sorry. We said we all do spend too much yeah, time Twitter. on Twitter. <laughs> so bad for the brain. Well, but, I'm sorry. Uh, X. X. It's called X now. Yes. Yeah, excuse me. X. Um, and then Damn I run you, Elon! Damn you, Elon! <laughs> it's always no, going to be the no. bird. No, you can't take my bird website away. You can't. It's always going to be the bird website. Did you hear the tagline? Did you hear what the tagline is? Call your ass. Blaze your glory. Blaze your glory. Blaze. Yeah. Blaze it, it out. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. So I mean that, that that dude is that dude's a figure. <laughs> There's a lot. I, nothing is personal. But somebody made a tweet that was like quote tweeting something he did and and she was like when is this man's midlife crisis gonna end <laughs> yeah, it's just going <laughs> and, I, and i think he he'd probably laugh at that i mean my god you gotta have some he's a troll for sure i feel troll yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, it is yeah anyway anyway sorry i didn't mean to derail oh, that no, all that no, no, no. we just i think we all had to need a little twitter catharsis for oh, a second just, that felt really yeah. good to scream yeah. yeah i think bukowski would have appreciated that scream sometimes you gotta scream a scream little Scream the anger yeah <laughs> my little bird yeah. is gone I, uh, bluebird the bluebird we lost the bluebird. I, we right? lost oh, the bluebird God, didn't yeah. we yeah. Yeah. what yeah. can it possibly mean um I still think the funniest thing he could do would be to move the headquarters of Twitter to somewhere in the Rust Belt to like Cleveland yeah. or something. That would just be mm-hmm. such a, a boss move. I don't yeah. think he's going to though. I I don't think so either. But it would, yeah. it would certainly certainly be amusing. Dubuque, yeah. moving it to Iowa, mm-hmm. Des Moines. <laughs> Point. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that would be really cool. Any I've duh. got an, and any duh. You know, any duh. <laughs> yeah, any, does does are funny. Um, I've got yeah. I've got another letter, uh, and then of course, like I like I teased on the After Dark for Patreon, we're gonna uh, hear Isaac's favorite poem, and uh, I'm gonna read a, a dark poem. We'll probably read read a bunch more poems on the After Dark. I'll, uh, I'll read I'll read my favorite Bukowski oh, poem. Nice. Oh, all right, I love that. it. Man, yeah, very good. Man, and of course, uh, people need to be getting ready uh, for the book club. Bookends. We do uh, this book club. You can join us on Zoom. The link is sent, is shared on Patreon. The next book we're reading is Brad's own novel, House of Sleep. Oh, nice. That is true. Read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. ninety nine cents on uh, for the Kindle edition now. This is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's permanently mm-hmm. that price now. It was out at a much higher rate for years, but now I'm just basically giving this thing away. So nice. get in on that. And we yeah. have our our big Blood Meridian special coming at the end of the year for the book club too that we've been really really jacked about. Yeah. And to be clear, Brad Brad did not say let's slot my book into the book club. I said we're doing it, Brad. Right, you have right. to. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited. To, <laughs> hopefully, we get lots of people to show up and. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be like a savage grilling. That's my. You're going to have to kind of lead that. I have no idea how to yeah. lead a book club on my own book. That's no, you're no. I'm here. Thing, I'm here to moderate. Possible. I'm here to moderate for yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Um, and and dodge, Isaac, help just, me dodge some tomatoes. Yeah, for sure. Just uh, Isaac, where do people find your writing? Are you writing principle? You're you're published all over. Uh, yeah, yeah, I write for like American Mind sometimes. Um, you know, I, yeah. I have a bunch and the of carousel. stuff, you know, for Vice. But yeah, if you really want to find me, just go to the carousel.substack.com. Right. Mm-hmm. And when the and war in up, Montana, people. that's yeah. right. Pay yeah. up. When the war in Montana kicks off, you're going to be the man. I'm going to be the, the guy. Job. I'm just going to be waiting around for 10,000 years before there's going to be war in Montana. <laughs> and then I'm going to say, I told you, I told you that it was going to happen. Well, if you want to live that long, you got to stick to beer. All right. So yeah, here's right. another uh, a letter he wrote to the same fellow. And he wrote this in October of 63. This is funny because this follows on what he was saying in the other one. I may have to move from here. Only reason I have stayed here so long is that I am forced to live in apartments or rooms. And all these years here, there, uh, here, there hasn't been anybody with a loud TV. Now there is. 
The guy downstairs died of a heart attack and somebody else moved in there. This somebody blares the TV up through the floorboards. <laughs> I don't have a TV and I don't mind other people having them as long as they don't, as I don't have to listen. I can listen to lovers quarrels and or beatings without distaste, <laughs> but these quiz contests, news broadcasts and comedy that stinks up through the my floorboards is like getting slapped across <laughs> the sole with a dirty floor mop. The masses give me trouble, not because they are basically stupid, but because they push their stupidity into my life. People are always talking about vague things like freedoms or newspaper things like civil rights. And this all sounds good and makes them think they are saying something. This worded wordage is putty without shape. The most needed thing is the freedom and right of privacy from other people's sounds of life. It is difficult for a poor man to attain this. Neely Cherry of Black Cat Review asked me to write something about civil rights, but I knew what he wanted. What other people call civil rights, I don't even want. Nobody really has any rights anyhow, not even the rich. You save what you can and try not to be fooled too often. There's a law for them and a law for me, and it is, if my law is broken too often, I am dead. I didn't write the article for Cherry on civil rights. Somebody else will give him what he wants. Sure. I'm going to keep reading because this is good. Um, <laughs> I have been visiting people lately, which is only mostly to explore that they are not there mostly, and to see if I can sit still and listen to talk. Uh, <laughs> hit Jack Hirschman's for burned steak and scots scotch and next night went to rather a week later orlin mahawk's big picture window that overlooks the sickening sunset strip had brazilian chicken and rice but brought a woman along who liked to talk and so she talked and i sat there mostly which saved me i talk quite stupidly you see i cannot get the thought out of my mind into proper order to be made into sound for the air in <laughs> one more in fact i don't want to i am like a child hiding what he thinks is a hell of a hell of a hell of a jewel in my back pocket and i don't want to show it to anybody if i do it will be in the proper temple but after one visit people don't bother me anymore and i don't bother them that's the sweet part daddy when I walk out uh, the door, the first thing the good people do is look at each other and say, Jesus, was that Charles Bukowski? If I knew how to talk, I'd sell all the old streetcar tracks in this town to the black Muslims. <laughs> what? That's a, that's a great letter. Damn, that's just a letter. That wasn't yeah, even for publication. That, yeah. Right. It's just some random person. I you can feel a little bit of liquor in there. I have oh, to say. Yeah. I don't oh, think I'm imagining yeah. that. Yeah, there's a boozy kind of illogic and but it all hangs together and mm -hmm, yeah. I I do I do like his general like I remember in our core episode we talked about World War II was going on and he was bumming around and he's like People will tell me about some battle or other. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> like, I just like is just completely unengaged. Like, it, you know, whatever your own political opinions are, it's 1963. Civil rights stuff is like everybody's talking about. It. He's just like, it's just some newspaper bullshit. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. Like, <laughs> did you ever see that amazing skit in Portlandia? Uh, are you guys fans of Portlandia? I've yeah, seen a lot of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
what's what's the main guy's name? Fred Armisen. He's got mm-hmm. a little Bukowski in him. There's that hilarious skit of it's like a guy who's really awkward at parties watching Fred Armisen like be a raconteur at parties. I don't remember this. <laughs> and uh. and he, afterwards he goes, oh, how do I how do I like, you know, be like a guy who people listen to at parties? And Fred just pulls a newspaper out. And he goes, listen, this is all you got to do. Just pick a nation, pick a leader pick a year and then just like say a swear word (laughs) Nicaragua 1953 holding our dicks yeah 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 that's about right yeah Yeah. and and then everybody just thinks you know what you're talking about Yeah, I think it's that kind of thing that Bukowski's pointing to here, yeah. just the silliness of it all. I like the Portlandia bit where they go to L.A. for the first time and they're like vampires. They just can't. The right, sun right. just can't absolutely. The sun. <laughs> that was cracks yeah. me up. Um, you have a favorite novel of his, uh, Isaac? Yeah, I like uh, women the best. I mean, so women, women and or Hollywood. So what's so great about women in Hollywood is both of those happen after he hits it big. So what's incredible about Bukowski, and this is, again, why we have to love him so much. He has this quote where he says, you know, they came for me, but they came for me too late. Like they came for me after I'd already like hardened my soul so they couldn't get to me. And he's talking about women and he's talking about Hollywood. And then he has two books about those two things. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the women book is him. It's it's a very shallow book. You know, it's not about anything besides him, just this ugly, horrible guy who has spent his life, you know, as you said in your episode, banging 300 pound women, uh, you know, he spent his life not being somebody who's desirable. And then suddenly he's desirable, you know, suddenly he's can bang whoever he wants. And it's about that. It's literally about that experience, Mm -hmm. which is like, that's such an interesting experience. You know, that's one of the most interesting experiences you could have probably as a, as a human. Absolutely. And he has to be at the far end of the the bell curve of extremity there. I mean, yeah. he had such a tortured uh, childhood, a tortured adolescence. He was disfigured, disfigured yeah. as a teen. Yeah. Uh, and he never had his room spring up. You know, he never got the cheerleader. He never even got the quirky, quirky girl at the far end of the cafeteria. Right. He yeah. he he was just an absolute outcast to go to go from that to a scene which is described in the uh uh in the the great film documentary where you know women were coming from Europe and knocking on his door and uh you know the the his editor showed up and here he talks about them he says it's like two untouched uh Swedes or Norwegians or something blonde and he goes oh they say is this Bukowski is this where Bukowski lives yeah yeah I think he's not here he'll be back in an hour well, do you want to meet him and they go yeah we want to fuck Bukowski <laughs> I mean like yeah and, right. and like in the in the uh sort of great spectrum of human experience it's not a lot of other guys who are good who look like him yeah who, with his mind who are going to go through something like that so he's yeah. right to catalog it that oh, right. it's, exactly yeah 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 it's got to be a hugely interesting i mean you would learn a lot about people too doing that big of a range across it right just like i'm the same guy i was a year ago and it's all different now and yeah. suddenly you know like right. the only other guys who talk about that are rappers you know like they're mm-hmm. the only other ones who are like, yeah before i was like this and now this is what my life is like and, yeah you know i think he did a, a 
And yeah. And I think that also like, you know, this is how you like, uh, as a person who is, um, moral and, um, I don't know, you know, maybe not moral, but like stands for something like you can go and make a Hollywood movie and be a douchebag. As long as later on you write a book telling the truth about everything that like happened, mm. you know what I mean? Like you can mm-hmm. sell out as long as you then tell the people later on, like what it was like <laughs> to sell mm. out. You know I mean? I think that that's uh, important. And I think that that's what he did does with both of those, with both of those books is he like goes like, all right, I'm going to go and do a bunch of bad shit that makes me kind of an asshole, but I'm then going to tell everybody, you know, I'm going to at least, I'm going to at least reveal. He, I, that's another case where he, I think I bet when that started happening, he and his, in the back of his head where he makes those jewels, right. Was thinking, okay, I'll give this a try. If this goes pear shaped, I'm getting a novel out of it. I right. bet he yeah, made right. that calculation. Somebody, another, a, a lesser writer would say, oh, great. I get to go to Hollywood. I made it. I made it. I'm in LA. I made it. Bukowski. I'm done. Like, I don't even need right. to report back. Like, I, it's right. like, I'm good now. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. Right. I mean, yeah. He was made before he made it. He he, he was a fully realized beast. He even called himself right. the beast. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Before that even happened. And that's what he means. You know, I was already, they came to me too late. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They came to him too late. So they couldn't really pierce that. Like nothing they were going to say was going to get through to him. He has a great moment in Hollywood. I always think about this scene being in LA is he has this great moment where it's like him. They're at a table, of course, just like drinking. And it's him and some very cool young director who is wants to direct his movie. And it's like an ultimate alpha male contest between him and this director (laughs) and like the director's trying to be more badass than him and he's trying to be more badass than the director and like it's just an incredible moment that like we've all been through those moments but no one ever talks about them like nobody ever talks about that moment you know Mm. and it's just a fantastic moment because he's like you know we're staring at each other there's like he's trying to care less than me and i'm trying to care less than him and it's just incredible that he uh, you know articulates that moment mm. yeah i'm going to read i'm going to read from the beginning of uh of hollywood <clears throat> just a half page maybe a page a couple of days later pinchit phoned he said he wanted to go ahead with the screenplay we should come down and see him So we got directions and we're in the Volks and heading for Marina del Rey, strange territory. Then we were down at the harbor driving past the boats. Most of them were sailboats and people were fiddling about on deck. They were dressed in their special sailing clothes, caps, dark shades. Somehow most of them had apparently escaped the daily grind of living. They had never been caught up in that grind and never would be. Such were the rewards of the chosen in the land of the free. After a fashion, those people looked silly to me, and of course, I wasn't even in their thoughts. We turned right down from the docks and went past streets laid out in alphabetical order with fancy names. We found the street, turned left, found the number, pulled into the driveway. The sand came right up to us, and the ocean was close enough to be seen and far enough away to be safe. The sand seemed cleaner than other sand, and the water seemed bluer, and the breeze seemed kinder. Look, I said to Sarah. We have just landed upon the outpost of death. My soul is puking. (laughs) Will you stop worrying about your soul? Sarah responded. 
no need to lock the Volks. I was the only one who could start it. <laughs> just perfect. Just a, this this quintessence of class resentment, yeah. but also of of strength. And it's a Volkswagen, Volkswagen, which is so funny. No reason yeah. to lock the Volks. He's aware of the pun there. Well, he right? loves his Volks. Yeah. Wait, wait till one for the shoeshine man. It plays a, a major role in, yeah. in that poem. Yeah, because he he yeah. had a Volks that he drove a Volkswagen that he drove his entire life. I think he like had it rebuilt several times. Like he he nice. got very into his uh, Volkswagen. He he also he's definitely one of the greatest Americaners to ever live. Uh, we yeah. don't we don't. They tend yeah. to think of things in those terms, but his Germanness was definitely a part totally. of it. And the, the German American is the great forgotten swath of America, Middle Absolutely. America. Absolutely, absolutely. People, for, people forget German we're even here. Yeah, and he he was very uh, he is he's he's, a, he's I think he's a household name in Germany as well. People know who he is. Um, when he was translated over there, they kind of like adopted him, and I can see why the their sensibility, you know, he might especially appeal to them. I love too how he talked about we've got to kick the Mickey Mouse out of our heads. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's more true than ever. Uh it's just so well, true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you imagined he hated t- he hated TV in his day. I mean, the man the just gar it's TV is worse, right? I mean, I, I don't even know if anybody actually watches like TV in that old sense anymore. That isn't like a boomer, but um, it's not got it's not gotten any better. That noise, that just constant noise has not <laughs> gone away. Oh no, yeah, it's worse. Yeah, they, by far. They just play music everywhere now. I mean, in his era, they probably didn't play music at every single right. establishment. Right. I had an endoscopy the other day. You guys know what that is when you like they go <laughs> down your fucking mouth. I'm uh-huh. waiting. Nothing was wrong. I was totally fine. It was it was just like paranoia. But mm. I was waiting to get surgery in a room, like in a bed with like four other people. And they're just blasting like, like, you know, it's like, like, it's like about like some, you know, like some song about like, come get it, daddy. And I'm like sitting there ready to get surgery. And I'm like, how the fuck do they play this in here all the time? That's insane. Like, it's insane. Like, what are they doing? It's it's just pure. It's pure idiocracy. It's like, we're already there. We're past it. Yeah. We're in it. Yeah. We're in it. I, oh yeah, we're I had to do. I had to say. I just have to share it I, in this little golf course suburb that I live in. It's an old neighborhood north of Detroit, and I go to the. I went to the grocery store at like nine o'clock on a Tuesday, and at the grocery store. They're playing "Whoop!" There it is, and I'm like, "Why? Why is this happening? Like, it's literally like there's no there's no reason. Who is this for?" Yeah, like why am I listening to this? Yeah, no, and, and it's like if you really listen to the lyrics, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, of course there are children. And it's right. it's just a hundred percent full blown MK Ultra brainwashing, and I guarantee, I guarantee there's some you know laboratory where they're testing these beats yeah, on yeah, people's yeah. brains, going, ah, yes, this suppresses IQ by five points. Right, right like, exactly. Like, don't, think, don't, right, think, don't think. Don't think. Don't think. Yeah, yeah. don't yeah, form a complete yeah. sentence. Uh, Isaac Simpson. And this has been a lot of fun. We're winding down this darkroom episode, our 100th episode for Art of Darkness. Oop, this oop. is so cool. Isaac, it, it, we're, we're not done. We're just getting started. We're going to come back in the after dark. We're going to talk more Bukowski. We're going to read poems. We're probably going to kvetch about the state of uh, contemporary America. Uh, and <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited about it. I have, uh, I have one of uh, 
his poems from the very end of the last night of the, of the earth poems. It speaks to what you were saying earlier, Isaac, about the list. Shall I read this? I'm going yeah. to. Yeah, please. Okay. It's called batting order. Hemingway has oh. been in a, sl- yeah, yeah. You know sorry, this one. Sorry. Right. It's a good name. Not at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Batting order. Hemingway has been in a slump. Can't hit a curveball anymore. I'm dropping him off uh, to the sixth spot. I'm putting Celine in cleanup. He's inconsistent, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but when he's good, there's no better. Thompson, I'm going to use in the number three spot. He hits them hard and often. Lead off well, lead off. I'll use E.E. E. Cummings. He's fast, oh. can beat out a bunt. <laughs> I'll use Pound in the number two spot. Ezra is one of the better hit and run men in the business. The five spot, I'll give to Dostoevsky. He's a heavy hitter, great with men on base. The seven spot, I'll give to Robinson Jeffers. Can you think of anybody better? He can drill a rock 350 feet. The eight spot, I've got my catcher, J.D. Salinger, if we can find him. And pitching, how about Nietzsche? He's strong. (laughs) Been breaking all the tables in the training room. Coaches, (laughs) I'll take Kierkegaard and Sartre. Gloomy fellows, but none know this game better. When we field this team, it's all over, gentlemen. We're going to kick some ass, most likely yours. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's exactly what we were talking about yeah that's yeah. great but no fonte that's the crazy thing because fonte was his uh was his well, number one you know what i think i think the he's being a little humorous here because i don't know does I don't he, think say, he said number one said number no the leadoff man is ee e. cummings i oh, don't think he said number four which is the prime he spot clean up he doesn't have clean he doesn't up. have the four well, so it's either him fonte. or so you gotta guess it's yeah, him yeah. <laughs> or Fonte, like is he is he the manager or is he at bat? Right, yeah, right. Yeah, either yeah. or. It's just a fun, cheeky, clever poem. And come on, who doesn't love baseball poems? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's no, yeah. it's great. And also, that feels really true. Like Dostoevsky does uh, hit well with men on base. You know, I feel like that's real. You know, it's like a lot going on. There's a lot in there. You know, many things. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll put yeah, your a link that. to your Twitter handle in the show notes. Tell people where they can find you one more time, Isaac. And you have an open invitation to Art of Darkness. If there's another subject we cover that you want to talk about, come on and we'll we'll talk more on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Art of Dark Pod. Where can people find you? Uh, go to the carousel.substack.com or disgraced prop on Twitter. Excellent. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this is very yeah. good. Did, did yeah, Bukowski's, thank you, Isaac. This yeah, is a thank pleasure. you so much. Uh, yeah, and we'll we'll come back. We'll talk more. Did does Bukowski kind of influence the way you saw L.A. when you started reading him? Does Bukowski influence the way you see L.A.? Um, not really. No, no. He's L.A. is such a strange place um, that. I don't think anybody's figured LA out so far. You know, I mean, this place is so weird and nothing makes sense at all. You know, the the only person ever figured out LA was a guy who wrote a book called history of forgetting. Mm -hmm. And I forget exactly who wrote it, but the entire point of history of forgetting is that nothing ever actually coheres into anything in Los Angeles. So anytime anybody tries to say anything about LA, it just like evaporates, <laughs> you know, before, like there's nothing you can say about LA. It's like nothing, you know, it's besides the weather, you know, Norman, one thing. Norman Klein is the guy who wrote that. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. There's also a fantastic, well, fantastic book. Sorry. Just one last thing. There's a fit for people curious about LA. 
there's a really great book called Writing LA that's an anthology that we read to our daughter when she was like two months old every night. And it's every like great writer coming to LA and then writing their little like take on LA. Like there's a Simone de Beauvoir thing about like her going and hanging out downtown. And uh, there's, there's a lot of fantastic stuff in there. There's one about uh, Tennessee Williams, about like a woman in the, and her mattress in the backyard. Fantastic. Um, but the best one in there is Faulkner. And it's mm. uh, it's called like uh, Gold Town or something. And it's just mm. so fucking good. But that's probably uh, the best book about L.A. that I've read. And anyway, interesting. <laughs> that's cool. That sounds that sounds good. That sounds very yeah. good. Yeah. Good All right. Isaac Simpson talking L.A. Bukowski and more. We'll be back in the after dark. Thank you. Hey, 100 more, Brad. 100 more. Just getting started. Just getting started, baby. Congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations to you. Thanks.